Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to today's podcast. So um, today, in this episode, I just want to touch on, basically, there was a lot of chatter all off-season long about, and I don't blame people, but about getting just so, so excited for uh, what seemed like any and every rookie skill position player there was. You could pretty much find a fantasy analyst out there that was like, oh, that guy is a must-have, you know, take him. I would take him in the, like, people saying just crazy things, you know, and and it's not to say that they can't be right. So let me just clarify it right there. They could be right on any one of those individual cases, but what will not be right is if you think that every single rookie is just going to be an instant impact fantasy player. Like, even if you just take the rookies that were drafted in the first and second round, like, that's not going to happen, you know, because even if they are all at some point in the season, good fantasy players, which is unlikely, but that's that's possible. That's not likely to happen until really the latter part of the season. So if you're advising people to draft one in the sixth round, like a lot of people were pushing people to draft Cam Akers in the sixth round. And I'm not going to take a victory lap on an injured player here, but I I like Cam Akers a lot, and I thought he'd be the lead back there. But my problem with taking him in the sixth round was, dude, that's the sixth round. Like there, you know, and there's no guarantee of his role. So as we saw, he had a little bit of a role. Um, he wasn't very effective and then he got hurt. So now he's going to miss, I don't know, maybe a game or two and maybe he comes back strong. But the thing that we were trying to avoid there is starting the first basically four or five weeks with a non-factor that we took in the sixth round. And that's the kind of things that can happen to you when you over, um, what is it called? Over emphasize, overvalue the shiny new toy effect, right? Like, oh, I got a, you know, shiny new toy and I'm just, that's what I want. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to play with the old toys anymore. Like, well, in this case, in a COVID-19 offseason, some of the old toys are very, very valuable, especially when you compare them to the new ones. So, um, I just wanted to go over some of the rookie stats here with you guys, if I may. So we've got um, amongst the wide receivers, the leading receivers so far, and it's just been two games. So none of this really should, you know, none of this should be final, if, uh, have a f- sort of final feeling to it by any means. It's just that where we're at right now. So far, we have one, two, three. Uh, well, we've got two rookie receivers that are in the top 30 and one of them is cd lamb so he is a guy that i mean a lot of people definitely liked in fantasy he was going around the 10th round so at this point he's been a tremendous value um so kudos to anybody that took him there i was a little worried about him just because it's a it's a um you know, an offense with a lot of with a lot of skill players there in terms of Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, uh, Zeke. And then, um, yeah, so I just felt like he was the fourth option, at least for the for the beginning of this year. But clearly it's worked in the kind of reverse effect in, in terms of he's been the default. He's been the third option. But in reality, because of the matchup differential where he where he can just dominate the third best secondary player on opposing defenses, it's really worked out well for them. So what I do think about CD Lamb is I obviously he's going over a hundred yards and stuff like that already. So he's he's a guy that I think that you should hold on to just because I don't think that you'll be able to 
necessarily flip him for a crazy value right now. But what I do think is that his production will will decline a little bit as it gets to the mid and the latter points of the year once opposing defenses are like, all right, we're tired of letting this guy bully our third corner or whoever we have covering him. So let's, you know, make a, an adjustment of some sort. And if that adjustment in any way, because I'm starting to become more and more of the belief, even though Michael Gallup hasn't done a ton this season to uh, support this claim, I'm starting to become more and more of the belief that Michael Gallup is is the most dangerous receiver there. I'm not going to say he's the best because I think Amari Cooper is the most talented, but I, I kind of think Michael Gallup is dangerous in terms of like, like he's not going to be an efficient guy uh, or an overly efficient guy because he is running routes in the intermediate and deep areas of the field. Like he's not really catching any, any short passes. And when he does his damage, it's big plays. You know, he's, he's going to average 15, 16 yards per catch and things like that. So even though he's off to a slow start, please hold on to Michael Gallup because he's coming And The reason I'm bringing up CD lamb to, and I got to Michael Gallup here is because once opposing defenses start giving that extra attention to CeeDee Lamb, at least they're not going to be likely shadowing number one corner on CeeDee Lamb. But what I think will happen is they'll start to play some bracket coverage and things like that, and that will open up Michael Gallup to just having a one-on-one. It doesn't even matter who it is against, because I like opposing number one corners are not going to be able to consistently shut down Michael Gallup. So even if... He's if he's drawing the number one corner, you're good there. If he's drawing the number two corner and it's and it's like a legit one on one, well now you're really good. I mean, in week one we saw Jalen Ramsey basically um, almost exclusively playing Michael Gallup, so that just goes to show you the kind of respect opposing defenses are giving him to start this season off. So Dallas and rightfully so, they have plenty of options along that offense, so they're just going elsewhere. Um, but like I said, I think that will change soon, but CD lamb is going to be really steady all year long. I just, I'm worried a little bit about sort of a rookie wall and a, um, just the slight decrease in production from the mid, especially the latter point of the season. So, um, but CD lamb is your top rookie receiver through two weeks. So he's got 165 receiving yards. He's really doing his thing. He looks good out there. Definitely looks the part, especially wearing that number 88. So, um, shout out to my wide receiver one in the NFL draft, CD lamb. All right. The second best fantasy receiver so far has been chase Claypool. He is the wide receiver 30. And uh, he's got 127 yards through two games. And that's basically come on like three catches. Like he, the guy's just been a big play threat. So it looks like maybe he's a little faster than I gave him credit for. <laughs> I didn't think he was um, anywhere near what he ran at the 40, which is like, I believe, 4-4 or something. So, um, but I mean, hey, the guy's getting behind NFL defenses. So, I mean, respect to him. He's, he's doing his thing. Um, and I know he's probably starting to pick up some, some, um, popularity in terms of fantasy ownership. Uh, but in my opinion, man, he's going to be a guy sort of like, not, I wouldn't say like CD lamb, but sort of like, um, Robbie Anderson is a little bit where it's just super high, um, upside in, in super high variance from game to game. So I think there will be several games this year where, where Claypool has like one or even zero catches. And it's not because I don't think he's good because he's showing to be pretty damn good, but it's just because that offense is really loaded. And I think we're actually seeing, and this is weird to say, and, and I think I'm a little early on this. So people might 
might raise their eyebrows to what I'm about to say, but I think we're starting to see Deontay Johnson be the true number one receiver in that offense. I think it's slowly shifting that way, and it may be because of coverages being dictated that way. I don't know. Maybe they're doubling Juju or or, or bracket, you know, kind of bracketing him there. But um, what I'm seeing just on highlights and, and basically by studying the stat sheets that I literally wake up at 3.30 in the morning to study every day, uh, it looks to me like, at least through two games, um, Deontay Johnson is the guy. And it also, if you really think about it last year, it sort of looked like that too. So, um, and that's no, no knock on Juju. I actually compared Deontay Johnson to, uh, Antonio Brown coming out. So that's weirdly enough, not in the sense that I think he's going to be that good. He, he could be close, but, um, not even in the sense, just stylistically is what I mean when I, when I say that comparison, my comparisons are not always like, Oh, that means he's this, you know? Um, so anyway, so good start for Claypool, but I don't think it will be like, I would be stunned if he finished the season as wide receiver 30. So a guy that I actually expected instant production from is Jalen Rieger. And while we have seen some, he's only, I mean, he has 96 yards through two games. Now he has an injury. He's only the wide receiver 70, uh, so far, and he's going to miss a few games. So that's discouraging. Um, please don't pick up Deshaun Jackson. I don't think that's a wise move. I don't see him being any sort of reliable player, especially in what has become a questionable passing offense in Philly. But let me just side note that with I'm not overly worried about Carson Wentz just yet, or I'm not at least I'm sort of worried about Carson Wentz. I've always have been actually, but I'm not worried. I should say about the Philadelphia offense more more generally. Um, I think they'll be okay. Uh, Jerry Judy is the wide receiver, 44, 118 yards through two games. And he also had some drops, um, especially in that first game. So he, uh, Judy, I felt, I felt was one of the more high floor rookies and he's proving to be that kind of just a four catches for 50 yards, get a game kind of guy. So, um, Judy is a solid flex option. I think at this point moving forward, Justin Jefferson has 80 yards through the first two games. Um, Wide receiver 81, cool, nothing nothing spectacular, kind of exactly what I expected from him. No disrespect meant towards him. Uh, Van Jefferson has 76 catches through two games, wide receiver 79. So um, pretty decent start for Van. I think um, there was one catch deep ball that he almost had, I think it was in week one, where you know it, we're so early in the season that literally one or two catches can completely skew the whole statistical uh, analysis here. But um, I mean, for example, like what if Claypool dropped that 80 yard touchdown or whatever it was, 70, 80 yard touchdown, it would he wouldn't even necessarily be on this list. So or at least nowhere near this high. So that all has to be considered. But it's the sample size that we have. So we're going to at least analyze it to some level. So, um, yeah, but Van Jefferson has looked the part when you just not from a statistical standpoint necessarily yet. But when you watch him play, he's he's getting open and he's clearly um a part of this offense. So I'm encouraged about Van moving forward. I still feel the same way I felt about him before week one. So I like him. LaVisca Chenault has been a very pleasant surprise. Wide receiver 34, uh, 72 receiving yards, but he's also done some damage on the ground and kind of, he's sort of like the Taysom Hill of that offense. Um, but in my opinion, a much more dynamic version of Taysom Hill. No disrespect to Mr. Taysom Hill, Mr. $10 million a year for 14 snaps a game, Taysom Hill. But um, yeah, LaVisca, I think his role will slowly expand as the season goes on. And and honestly, I he may make me uh, look bad because I, I wasn't super high on him. But 
it's looking like he's already healthy and they've already they're already entrusting him with the role. And I can't stress this enough that when a when a rookie is um, already being entrusted into a role and already playing a decent amount, he that should be encouraging for every, that should be encouraging because that's that's not normal, especially in Leviska's case where he wasn't fully healthy in a shortened off season. So that is interesting. Um, and on a side note, I don't have this guy's numbers, but he just is going off in my head right now. Uh, Darnell Mooney is a guy that you should all be interested in. Uh, he's a rookie. He was a day three guy. I think he was fifth round, maybe even sixth round. He's a little kind of like Tyreek Hill built guy where he's like 170 some odd pounds, five foot nine, but he's got blazing speed and Darnell, I mean, no, I'm sorry, uh, Ted Ginn has been I believe a healthy scratch the last two weeks and Dar and Darnell Mooney has had three catches in each of the first two games, including a touchdown in week two. So uh, Mooney's snap share went from like 30% in week one to 62% in week two. And that is impressive for a guy that wasn't highly drafted and the Bears showed you what their intent, which is the word I always use during the pre-draft process, pre-fantasy draft process that they intended on playing Ted Ginn and using him as that field stretcher, so to speak. But what they've shown since the season started and why it's such an encouraging sign is that it has only been week one and week two. And we've seen more Darnell Mooney a lot more than we've seen Ted Ginn. Um, I know Ginn didn't play in week two. I'm not sure if he played in week one, but the point still remains. Yes, he is only the third option in, a, in what's not necessarily a dynamic passing game at this point. But behind Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, but this dude is seriously dynamic, and it's clear to me that they have established a new intent in terms of what they're what they're looking for from their receiving core. And it seems, at least at this point, that Darnell Mooney could be the beneficiary and sort of the guy who is their intent in terms of the field stretching role of that offense. And I'm just telling you now. I actually didn't even scout this guy coming out. I just didn't get to him for whatever reason. But what I've seen just when I watched just the highlights of him, man, he looks dynamic and explosive. Like when he he's one of those guys that if you're if you're rooting on the for the team that's playing against him, when he catches the football and he starts moving, you get a little bit nervous because he you can just it doesn't take you know a super trained football eye to see that when he starts moving it's scary for the opposing defense because he's that fast so darnell mooney is a guy that i think should be owned and um could potentially be a really big big time player and so we've got uh, henry ruggs on here 59 yards through two games wide receiver 88 so a little bit of a slow start for ruggs i think he'll um a lot, and this is the case with a lot of these guys man they will pick it up as the season progresses and um i'm not super worried about rugs but again i wasn't I wasn't banging on the table for you to draft him, at least maybe not early. And and if I did tell you to draft him, it was obviously way late in the double digit rounds. And it was also, um, to, I told you to be patient with him because that's what we have to do with these young guys. We can't draft them and wait two weeks and then cut them, right? Because that's, that's not being very realistic. You have to hold on to them because it's going to take time, uh, especially this year. Brian Edwards, 51 yards through two games, and, and uh, pretty much that was all in the second game, which was a Monday night football game where everybody got to see him and his skill set. Look, this kid reminded me of Des Bryant coming out, and I'm still just as high on him as I was going into the draft. I believe I had a second-round grade on him. Um, 
I was high on on Brian Edwards. And if not for a broken foot that he suffered, I believe, at the combine, um, he would have probably went even higher. So and another one, KJ Hamler, who I touched on on social media yesterday, um, a guy that I expect to see a lot from uh, moving forward, mainly because they need him. But he had seven targets in his only game. He turned that into 48 receiving yards and he also had a run. And a kick return. So KJ Hamler is a guy that, especially if you're in if you're in a dynasty league, KJ Hamler and Darnell Mooney are really uh, guys you can have at a value that are really going to produce. So those guys are doing well. But as you can see, um, of all the receivers I just listed, there's only three with over 100 receiving yards through two games. So um, you know a slower start, and that's to be expected. But they have been producing, not to a fantasy level, but they've been producing. A lot of these guys, a lot of rookies. Uh, receivers have been producing so far so that's encouraging now let's take a look at the running backs. so scrimmage yards is going to be led by james robinson with i think 216 through two games good for rb15 in ppr scoring leagues or half ppr however you want to do it um and he's been awesome man he's averaging over five yards a carry he's uh over 100 yards in his last game dude james robinson is legitimately the um the bona fide starting running back bell cow back for the jacksonville jaguars so how about that in a COVID 19 offseason this kid from illinois state comes in as an undrafted rookie free agent on a team that had leonard fournette as their starter and i mean by all intents and purposes beats out fournette essentially because they they dump they cut fournette and he's just been the bell cow since week one that's pretty remarkable and from my purposes when i scouted him I actually called him a poor man's Zeke, and I had him ranked ahead of A.J. Dillon, and I liked A.J. Dillon. So it wasn't like I didn't like him. I just I was really high on the first six or seven running backs of this class, and I like James Robinson a lot. I thought he could be a starter. I said that and uh, multiple times on Twitter and Instagram. So I like him, and I'm I, I just think his his play style and his and the way he's built physically was similar to Zeke and he is a real athlete. Like the explosiveness is there. Um, he has some ability to catch the football. He did catch footballs uh, at Illinois state. So this is not terribly surprising to me. What was, what was super surprising for me was the fact that he didn't get drafted. And now given that the fact that he's come in and earned the starting spot by week one uh, is very, very impressive. So um, James Robinson is doing his thing and I expect him to hold on to that job now that he's got it. So in tonight's game, he should be, he should be really, um, I think he'll have another big game to be honest. Not, not, not huge maybe, but I think he'll be very much involved. And I think over a hundred yards from scrimmage. Um, okay. So Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is second in scrimmage yards and he's also RB 11. So the second best running back in fantasy in, in a PPR scoring 208 scrimmage yards. Clyde has looked good, man. It was very encouraging to see, the six catches for i believe just 36 yards in his in his second game because we didn't see him catch the ball at all in uh, that first game against houston so very good to see that and clyde showed us in week one that he can run it he showed us in week two that he will and can be involved in the passing game so uh, that's good news for clyde owners i mean if you guys drafted him top five i never said that there was guaranteed he wouldn't return value i just said that from my perception i wouldn't take a rookie in a COVID 19 offseason in the top five but um so far okay so good but he you just worry 
will will there be more fantasy games like week two as opposed to what he was in week one? That remains to be seen, um, and we'll see. So Jonathan Taylor is actually the top fantasy running back, but third in scrimmage yards with 199 so far. Uh, Taylor had a very big game. I think 26 carries against the Vikings in week two. Looks to be the true bell cow back. We might see some Naheem Hines on on passing situations. But overall, Jonathan Taylor is kind of living up to expectations um, at that point. And I really liked Taylor in terms of where he was going in the draft. So big difference when you look at Clyde Edwards-Elair being taken in the top five, right? Like literally fifth overall, fourth overall. Um, or having a guy, and even some people were talking about Clyde first overall, but uh, as opposed to Jonathan Taylor in the fourth or fifth round, I love that value. I was all over that. And he right now, like I said, is the top fantasy running back in, in uh, amongst rookies. So that's very interesting. And I think you're in very good shape moving forward. Don't trade him at all because you're not going to return the proper value because this guy is, uh, has a very good chance of being an RB1 the rest of the way. All right, Joshua Kelly. So this guy, I was not crazy about his tape coming out of UCLA. It was hard. Like he was in a real committee, and it was really hard on the coach's tape to even see his number to know if that was him. It was a pain in the ass. But he didn't stand out to me. And then at the Senior Bowl, I didn't really think much of him. But guys, even though he's averaging under four yards a carry, he has 173 yards from scrimmage, and he's the RB23 right now. Um, in, in PPR scoring league. So I really like uh, Joshua Kelly and he was probably a very, very worthwhile fantasy uh, addition on the waiver wire after week one. If he's somehow still available on your waiver wire, you need to get him immediately, but Hey, he's a low end RB two right now. So that's solid. Antonio Gibson is number four in scrimmage yards. So, so just so you guys know, that's three guys with over 100 scrimmage yards at the running back position amongst rookies. So that's, again, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Jonathan Taylor, Joshua Kelly. Now, Antonio Gibson has 96 yards from scrimmage. He's the RB35 in PPR scoring. Um, we saw his snap count percentage double from week one to week two, so that's a very good sign. Over 60% of snaps, and as I've said many times on this podcast and on social media, only, I believe it was seven or eight, maybe nine running backs in the NFL last year had for the season a 60% uh, or more share of the snap count. So for Gibson to get that in week two is extremely promising. And I think that even though he's only RB35 right now, I think there will be much, much better days for Antonio Gibson. And I do believe you can get him cheap, so you should do it. Try and do it immediately. Somebody I talked to today said that they dropped him. I couldn't believe it. I was like, because I tweeted this morning and posted on my story, like, buy low on Gibson. And this guy's like, yeah, I dumped him. I needed a receiver or something. Um, guys, don't cut him and buy low on him anywhere that you see an owner that might let you. All right. J.K. Dobbins is fifth in scrimmage yards with 83. He's the RB28 because he's been in the end zone. And uh, look, J.K. Dobbins, his role will increase. He's playing less than 40% of snaps right now. I think it's like 39-something percent. Um, his role will increase. He's the he's As much as I like Gus Edwards and I feel he's underrated, J.K. Dobbins is still their second-best running back right now. He's the perfect fit for that system. He's popping big runs already. He's a guy that needs to be 
that needs to be i mean if you can buy a low on him you are a genius uh but i think his role will definitely expand and when that happens his production will jump largely so i like jk dobbins a lot moving forward zach moss is rb i mean uh sixth in scrimmage yards amongst running backs with 64 so good news for moss is he's playing over 40 percent of the snaps in each of the first two games he had a much better uh game from an efficiency standpoint in week two against the dolphins um but like in week one he was averaging like one yard per carry so it wasn't good but right now moss is rb 75 in ppr scoring um I think that he's going to see a slight dip in um, volume because I think Singletary is just playing at such a higher level right now, and he's just a better player. He's a year ahead in the scheme and everything. So right now, Singletary is better. I wouldn't be shocked if Moss is the better player um, in the future, you know, two, three years from now or next year even. But right now, Singletary is the guy. So I expect Moss to kind of slowly decline in terms of touches, but I think he'll still see about 30% of the workload there at least at the bare minimum. Um, and I think he'll see a lot of the goal line work too. So Moss is definitely still a flex option from a uh, matchup based flex guy from week to week. And number seven here on this list and final person on the list in uh, scrimmage yards by running rookie running backs is uh, Cam Akers, 56 yards. So we touched on Akers a little bit earlier. He's a guy that, you know, he's, he's been okay. Like not, nothing special. And now he's got the rib injury. So here's the problem with Akers. Daryl Henderson has been playing really well in a very limited opportunity share right now, but it looks like Daryl Henderson is going to have a chance to steal, at least temporarily steal this starting lead back job. The Rams backfield, I feel, will always be a running back by committee. Maybe not always, but for this season, I think that we'll always see, we'll see all these guys, right? Malcolm Brown, uh, Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers it went healthy, of course. But I, but I think that Henderson, with another big game like he had last week, and he did have a pretty big game, over 100 yards from scrimmage, if he has one of those again against Buffalo, I think that McVay will almost have no choice but to kind of yield 50% of the workload to Akers – I mean, I'm sorry, to Henderson moving forward and see if he can continue to average six, seven yards a carry or whatever he – you know he was averaging last week. So I think that that's the only issue with acres is his potential for volume might be about to take a hit. It really all depends on how well cam makers takes advantage of this opportunity against the very good Buffalo bills defense this Sunday. And what should be by the way, an awesome game. So can't wait for that. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, overall guys, the rookies are playing well, they're not all fantasy relevant yet, of course. And I just wanted to kind of touch on them after two weeks so we can reset and retemper our expectations. Because for those of you who thought like, oh, my Zach Moss is going to immediately return value or, oh, this guy. It doesn't mean that they're not. But you, if you take a rookie like that, you either have to, if, you, if you're just that heartbroken right away, just cut him and move on. Forget it, whatever. Try and trade him. But what I would suggest you do is unless you absolutely – unless you absolutely can't i would hold on to these guys give them three four six weeks even you know as much as you can and see how their role expands monitor the snap counts listen to my podcast because i'll be talking about them and you know kind of see if there are any signs of life because maybe sometimes there are sometimes there aren't but i want to just let you know if you drafted rookies high hold on to them because unless you just completely want to give up on them, that's fine. But I would hold on to them, 
give them some time to to start to get acclimated, see if their touches are going up at all. Like it's very promising for guys like Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson, any of these guys that have been getting early touches consistently. That's very promising, right? Even Cam Makers, but it's just sometimes, and we should learn this for next year. We shouldn't draft a rookie in a backfield where there's clearly may, might be other guys there. We shouldn't just draft them with the expectation that they are going to be the guy. Like we really shouldn't, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a very dangerous proposition. And that's why I didn't want to do it with Clyde Edwards, specifically drafting him in the first round or top five overall. You know, that was my issue. Jonathan Taylor in the fourth or fifth round, I was much more willing to take a risk on. Um, but so overall, looks like Clyde's going to be just fine. Looks like Jonathan Taylor's going to be fine. And I really like Gibson and Dobbins as well. So we will monitor this moving forward. I might do a might, might check on the rookies again in like three, four weeks and just see where we're at. So um, anyways, guys, I appreciate you listening as always. I'm going to do a Thursday night football preview on another podcast here in just a little bit. So I will be publishing that soon. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening.